sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. We'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kev, it's December. Can you believe that? Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Like, on the one hand, it's like, ah, good, it's December. On the other hand, it's like, where the hell did 2020 go when we were all kind of locked down and stuff? It is already 2020. Week 12 of the NFL season is almost over, but it came closer to that with a Monday night football game last night that I know was close to your heart. The Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. traveled west to east to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles in a game that was six and a half, and then the back door was ultimately open on a Hail Mary at the very end. The Seahawks beat the Eagles 23-17. to Carson Wentz continues to Run for his life and make as many plays as possible. Russell Wilson throws a touchdown pass. Chris Carson, in his return, runs for a touchdown. But DK Metcalf toasts Darius Slay all night long for 10 for 177. The Seahawks move to 8-3. and three. The Eagles fall to 3-7-1, and one, although they are still alive in their division as well. Yeah, they, they certainly are. Uh, I know at some point we'll be taking a look at the futures market, and yeah. they are more than live, uh, evidently, according to that market. I think starting on the, the Philly side, even though they lost, and for pieces of this game felt uncompetitive, is probably the right side, because, Dane, we entered this game with a big storyline. Something to watch. Right. Something to right. shake it up. Jalen Hurts. A massive uptick in usage. Something that I was led to believe, I don't know, Dane, 40% of the snaps? Is that too high? Relatively speaking. I don't know. What we, the I don't know. We know we got a lot of reps. We knew there was going to be more. There was an actual prop bet for his passing yards. Correct. Uh, but that's not, that's not what played out, Kev. That's not what played out. He took two snaps. I two know. Snaps. Well, three. There was a penalty on one of them, but yes. <laughs> Okay, three. Wait, I mean, so, no, I man, gotcha. yeah. it might have been his season low. Like, right. I, I don't understand what happened. I don't understand what Ian Rappaport and Tom Palisaro and Adam Schefter were told that led to this. Because the reality is, all of that outside stuff, all of the players here, we've been doing this long enough to know the players here, the outside mess, Okay. If you, if you ask one of these guys, hey, where was Hurts? They won't go, oh, it's news to me. No. And Doug Peterson saying, ah, we were trying to see if we could get a change of pace maybe. But it's difficult to find that rhythm with a new quarterback. Yeah, I agree. But you were supposed to be playing Hurts 100 times this game. I'm not saying that's why they lost. But, Dane, I feel like it points to the lack of comfortability that this offense is in right now. What are they doing? They just seem lost. 
They do seem lost, Kev. They do seem lost. I think that is a good point. And I keep on telling you that I believe a critical reason why is this offensive line. Kev, like, Carson Wentz is running for his damn life the entire time, okay? He's trying to run on on third and long because that's all he thinks he can do to pick up first downs, right? It is a problem. I also don't understand how Miles Sanders gets six carries in a game like this you know i uh, to your point i don't understand kind of what they are doing i want to submit to you you know we've 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 tried to hypothesize a lot of things you thought jalen hurts maybe harmed carson wentz's ego i told you that carson wentz has been battered and bruised in the offensive line we know about the weapons that they have to kind of go down on the depth chart too can i ask you kev what about the importance of the current Indianapolis Colts head coach not being on this sideline? That sort of coincides as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe. Thank you for getting on the grid and waking up early with us with the spitting statistician and the candle burner. Kev, honestly, that move also coincides with the decline in this Philadelphia Eagles offense. And for those of you who don't know, the move I'm talking about is Frank Reich, who was on this sideline, was the coach when Carson Wentz was this MVP. Now he's in Indianapolis, and we like the way that that team is calling plays and that offense is being run. And all of a sudden, Peterson and this Eagles, to your point, looks lost. Talk to me about Peterson without Reich. Yeah, Dan, I simply don't understand why the hell this is a narrative. It's one of the narratives that pisses me off. Doug Peterson has been to the playoffs both seasons without Frank Reich. Like, I get it. The guy left, and we're trying to figure out what happened. He's been to the playoffs both times. Frank Reich hasn't. Like, it's just, that's not the issue. You know what also coincides? So what is? Wentz ripping up his ACL and never being the same quarterback. Also, the offensive okay. line that you pointed out. I mean, Dane, just for just to, to back up the offensive line stuff, last year Wentz was sacked a career-high 37 times. Right now, he has been that sacked 46 times. Five games to go. Yeah. No, I hear that. Remember, I used to tell you this. The Eagles were a top-five offensive line for those years. Peters, Kelsey, Lane Johnson wearing masks. They ain't there anymore. We'll talk about the winners of this game on the other side of the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, talking about what we saw on Monday Night Football between the Seahawks and the Eagles. Our resident Eagles fan, I think you can tell the way he feels about this. He was talking about they look lost. Um, anybody who saw that game would know the same thing. We, we can't figure out what will fix them, what the cause will be. They're just going to have to ride it on out. Kev, in the first half, the Eagles, I think, had like less yards and first downs than the Denver Broncos did on Sunday in terms of like yards and first downs and stuff. So here's what I want to ask you about the Seattle team, okay, that has an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson, that has, you know, a ridiculous ascending talent in DK Metcalf, that has a run game that is returning whatever you want to call the value of that however 
Here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you about the Seahawks defense, Kev. I want to ask you, was this piss poor, horrible, lost offense from Philly? And or how much of this was a Seattle defense? I mean, Jamal Adams was making plays. Carlos Dunlap was applying pressure. Uh, Bobby Wagner is still there as a ridiculously good Pro Bowl caliber middle linebacker. You and I have said that the bar is low for defense in 2020. Um, You know, on its face. The Seattle Seahawks defense, you know, only allowed 200 and some odd yards of offense, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a low total of first down. I know the Eagles are lost, but how much, if any, do you attribute to what Seattle did defensively? Um, Not much. And honestly, this is a very similar situation as to what I was talking about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday, as that in that a narrative is about to build. And it is going to only grow further. And I am saying right now, I won't be buying into it. So if you look at what the Seattle Seahawks have now done over their last three games, they held the Rams to 23 points. It's because the Rams throttled down when they have the lead. The, the Rams could have scored 30. If they wanted to, they didn't need to. They held Arizona to 21. But we have to be consistent. We think that Arizona is greatly compromised due to Kyler Murray's health. And that happened in the first quarter of that football game. The Eagles right now are a bottom, let's go five, to just be conservative and accurate, offense in football. And you know what's going to follow, Dane? Colt McCoy. And then Sam Darnold. Hey. And then Alex hey. Smith. And then another hey. shot with Jared Goff. And then Nick Mullins. This is going to continue. And for Seattle, it's good for their confidence. It's going to be good for sure. their record. It doesn't necessarily mean sure. they're guaranteed to win out. They are not, but they're going to be favored from now until season's end because they're going to host that Rams game. I doubt their dogs with the Niners. Who knows where the Niners are going into that football game? It would be week 17. There's no way they are underdogs to the Giants, the Jets, or Washington, whether they played it, Seattle, Road, or the Moon. It doesn't matter. So Seattle is set up to maybe go 12 and 4 with their defense playing. For what a lot of people are going to say, some great football from probably, you know, give or take the midway point, I'm not buying it. I think they're now walking in to a favorable piece of their schedule. I think once they get out back there on the field with a Green Bay, a New Orleans, a Tampa Bay, I think it goes right back to what it was. Okay, fair enough. So let me ask it to you in this way then. Position Seattle among what we say is a very large singular tier in the mm-hmm. NFC, Kev, because all of these NFC teams that we talk about have some warts. You saw Seattle yeah. up close and personal last night against your team. What'd you think? What level of impress do you have vis-a-vis relative to the teams you're mentioning? The Green Bays, the Los Angeles, the Tampas, the New Orleans of mm-hmm. the world. So, uh, you know, it's funny because... The final score was 23 to 17. We all know just an awful backdoor cover. If you had the Eagles getting six and a half, count your stars and just be grateful, no matter what happens to you for the rest of the week, okay? But to be fair, it did bring the scoreline closer to probably where it deserved to be. It looked like it was going to be an absolute route burial blowout. It was 14 nothing, and it looked like Seattle was going to close that game out 1,000% in the first half. Big touchdown at the end was, of the first half. Big touchdown right, at the end of the first exactly. half. Exactly. And then it was 14-9. The Eagles had a chance to kick a field goal to bring that thing back to eight in the fourth quarter. I still don't know what the heck's going on with Doug Peterson. Yeah, why'd they go for it there? 
just an insane decision. Just an insane decision to go for that right there on a fourth and four. Like apply the yeah, pressure. Your defense. Get it to like a your defense has yeah. been playing the best football it's played all year. And this is the thing, Dane. You know, again, you and I back and forth. The running backs. It is what it is. The running backs were back. Russ, accurate. Not quality numbers. I mean, 177 of his 230 passing yards belonged to DK Metcalf, only throwing for the one touchdown pass. I mean, I know they're. I, I mean, they're not supposed to scorch earth every single time, but they were to start the season. I, I, I think I don't know. It seems though, Dane, like Seattle is going through. I don't know if it's if they're reverting back. I don't know if they don't trust Russ to not turn the football over, but. This was last year's Seahawks. Minimal cooking was done by the Seattle Seahawks. And I do do not think that is the path to this team getting to their ultimate goal, which is winning the Super Bowl. All right, but yet they are eight and three, right? And so in that division, we talk about the Rams and and do we trust Jared Goff, for example? We know the Saints are also up at the top of the NFC, right? But you know their their Hall of Fame quarterback still has eleven broken ribs, and Taysom Hill hasn't you know thrown for a touchdown pass in sixty attempts. We don't know how long that's going to be. You know the narrative now around Tampa is that Tom Brady is on the precipice of being shot. Um, You know the way I feel about Aaron Rodgers and his passer rating and a potential candidacy for MVP. They are there, but I don't know if anyone believes that the Green Bay defense is anything to write home about. So it is very interesting in the NFC a little bit later on. We'll look at the NFC playoff picture and to really kind of understand. Go ahead. What did you make, though, of this offensive performance as someone who was waiting for Carson's return? Carson looked good. Oh, I thought Carson... I thought Carson looked good and was important. I think having him is important, Kev. The way we differ on this, I believe, and I don't think we need to get into it too much, is you, I believe, refer to kind of the box score results as the importance of the run game. I'm like looking at, uh, you know, that touchdown run of Carson. DJ Dallas can't do that, okay? Um, And I think that is important, right? Like he looked good. I I think it is a, a... the element being back, then you overlay styles, make fights of games. I'm not expecting Russell Wilson to throw for five touchdowns all the time. I'm expecting a complete offense to be successful, and I think they were last night. Yes, but, they only went to DK Metcalf. Lockett didn't have too much. Uh, you know, Carson technically runs for, I believe, 41 yards, right? But I, I keep on saying... For me, it's more than the stats. For me, it's like what they present as a challenge to the defense. And I do think that Carson running hard, whatever his stats were, I think that element is important. And I think uh, it was it was there with Carson last night. Yeah, I mean, I, I promise you I have not box score watching the game that my okay. team played that I did in-game live for okay. the entirety of it. And at the end okay, of the day. So you don't think Carson a, was, was, was good? You don't think he looked that's, good? That's I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Okay. Chris Carson did look good. Eight carries for 41 yards. Five yards a touch, plus the touchdown on the ground. And he and he did look good in his work. I love how they started okay. the game on a swing pass that picked up 11. And then just went the other direction. Holding, and then just ran the, <laughs> just other, direction. the other way. And that <laughs> moment, I knew the Eagles were losing the football game because they're treating you like children that you play in Madden. And you just want to try some things out. But... That Russell Wilson and that Seahawks offense were nowhere near the offense that we have seen. And that has been true now for a little while. 
That And that is the point that I have been trying to make. Not that Chris Carson is irrelevant, but I don't think Chris Carson has been the reason why they have not gotten to the point that they were. Again, at that point, they were unbeaten, the favorites in the NFC. Russell Wilson was the runaway MVP. Those things have all come back to the fold. Now, if you believe that this is how they can win the Super Bowl, grind out football, then I just see that different. No, I believe that they have the ability to do a lot of things, and that is the point. Depending on the game, depending on the opponent, depending on what happens, they need to have all of these elements, and they do. We just view these things strategically different. It's okay. We'll continue to talk about now Ravens Steelers after the commercial break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates as well for getting on the grid early with us. We talked about what happened on Monday Night Football, and in a normal week, that's the end of the week. But we knew going into this, this was not the end of the week. There is still a Raven-Steelers game on the horizon. This is a game that was originally scheduled for Thanksgiving night. You remember that, Kev? We were so excited for that to be the best game of Thanksgiving after we had our meals and all of that. But no, that was then moved you know, because of an abundance of caution, to Sunday at first. Then it was pushed back to Tuesday, you know, because of an abundance of caution. Then we hear a bunch of things, right? At first, the Ravens were going to be asked to, like, travel and go play Pittsburgh like they were going to travel this morning with no practice and go play. And we heard, nah, they're not going to do that. They were going to threaten a strike. There were some outlets reporting. And what do you know? This game has now been pushed to Wednesday. Uh, it has been moved for the third time. We are now seeing a Wednesday 3.40 p.m. start. Ironically, in another 2020 move, Kev, this game, which is broadcast, the rights are on NBC. NBC is not going to let this game be a night game because they've got something in their back pocket Wednesday night that'll have even bigger ratings than the NFL, and that is the glorious lighting of the Rockefeller Center tree. So tree greater than sign football here in 2020 kev um talk to me about the way you felt as these things were happening as you heard these pieces of news and all the puzzle pieces being moved and the reasons therein yeah the the back end of the puzzle pieces uh, confuse me a bit more the the mm. monday and tuesday game yep, but yep. as far as this this wednesday game goes I think the one thing that you and I have talked a lot about is the NFL is desperately looking to get every single game in by any means necessary. And them pushing this game back, again, for people that don't realize, we are going to play this game one day out from a week later than it was supposed to be played. We went from Thursday, Thanksgiving, to Sunday at 1 o'clock, to maybe Monday, to Tuesday, to now Wednesday. I mean, this thing has been on the giddy-up. And here we are now, a Wednesday 
40 game. I mean, if that doesn't say just roll the ball out there and finish this game, I mean, they might mm-hmm. use accelerated game clock like a Madden game against the buddy. I mean, they just want this thing over with. And there's, I mean, there's not much more to it on that side, is there, Dane? I mean, it's pretty obvious what they're looking to accomplish with this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, as you know, I have always been perturbed by the phrase an abundance of caution because you just said it. They are doing everything possible to get the game in. They are shoehorning the 256 games of a regular season schedule into 17 weeks. That is their priority. That is their objective. And they don't give a damn about you or your team. So then the reason when they use the phrase an abundance of caution, I find it laughable. But let's start to talk about some of the, you know, little nuggets and repercussions and ripple effects of this happening. The first thing that people need to note is now that, like you said, it's almost a full week after the originally scheduled date of Thanksgiving. People who were on the list, Kev, can be off, namely starting running backs for the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. If this is now Wednesday, they could be cleared to play. This is ridiculous. I'll ask you another overlay on this, Kev. You know how like the NFL didn't want to go to Tuesday, didn't want to you know, actually go to Tuesday for any games, but they've done so for Baltimore-Pittsburgh, and now they're going to Wednesday. Kev, if they went to Tuesday— For Denver, New Orleans, Denver could have a legitimate NFL quarterback because all three of their contact folks came off the list after doing their five days or whatever the case may be. This is another piece that reeks of inconsistency to me. Can you make the case at all of not preferential treatment when they're doing this for Baltimore-Pittsburgh but refuse to for San Francisco on a Thursday night or the Raiders and their offensive line or the Denver-New Orleans game here in Week 12? I actually think I could make the case. So the fact that the Niners had to play that game without the wide receiver room on a Thursday night football while the Packers on the same field had to play it without a running back room on Thursday night football set a precedent that they were not going to stop a game due to contract tracing, moving you know players from an entire position room. When it comes to the Denver Broncos, they fit the same description. Ultimately, had they moved that Broncos game, that would have been a massive, massive piece of inconsistency where they say we acknowledge that quarterbacks are more important than everybody else in this league and we need to give Denver the opportunity to get their quarterbacks back. But the question that you're posing is, how is Ravens-Steelers any different? They're not postponing this to give the Ravens an opportunity to get their running backs back or a quarterback back or a tight end back or a defense back they're postponing this to stop the outbreak because Tennessee had an outbreak and they pushed their game back a week they didn't play that week Baltimore has an outbreak they're playing this week how is that consistent because well that no see that those are different things those are different things Tennessee Tennessee got pushed back because there was wiggle room And that's why Tennessee was moved back. So the Ravens-Steelers game being moved back and the Titans-Steelers game being moved back, those are the same thing, right? And there is inconsistency there that's super easy to figure out 
They had wiggle room with bye weeks with the first one. They have none of that when it comes to this go-around. But stopping games because position rooms are not available is not how I would categorize Ravens-Steelers. This is a game that has been pushed put on pause time and time again in order to make sure that the outbreak positives every single day stops. That way they can just play this football game. They're not pausing it to get Lamar back. And I don't think anybody is going to all of a sudden take the Ravens just because Ingram and J.K. Dobbins have made their way back. That just happens to be how it's worked out for those two players. All right, let's talk about some more of the ripple effects of this, right? Because now we have to think about the impact not only on Week 12, but on Week 13 as well. You know, Kevin, a normal week, right? We would start talking about Week 13, and, like, there's there's reasons why we can't do so, right? In the sports gambling world, futures can't be fully reset. In the fantasy world, we can't run waivers until the games. We don't even know who's in playoff position in fantasy. It is wild. But what we do know here is that, you know, Pittsburgh was supposed to play Washington next week, week 13, right? And that was a Sunday game. It can't go Wednesday, Sunday. So that game has been moved to Monday night football. Meanwhile, Dallas was the next opponent for the Ravens. That is being pushed back to Tuesday night football. Remember, Dallas now gets a huge break because they played on Thanksgiving. Washington played on Thanksgiving. So these teams are sitting around idle as well for a little while, you know, getting them out of their routine. My honest question for you, though, if this was a Ravens outbreak, why do the Ravens get the extra day next week for Tuesday instead of the Steelers? The Steelers now, Wednesday Mm -hmm. to Monday, have to deal with a shorter week than Baltimore does Wednesday to Tuesday. And meanwhile, the outbreak was for Baltimore. If you're a Steelers backer or fan, do you think those people have a gripe? Because it seems like the, whatever you want to call it, the inconsistencies, the ripple effects, the moving and shaking, it seems like now multiple times it has sort of messed with the Steelers schedule, their buys, their rhythm. So this is something that is obviously inconsistent. If you're moving one of them to Wednesday, the Cowboys and Washington both played the same exact, like their last game was on the same exact day. You would just have them play the same exact time. The reason that they're not doing this has to be, Dane, because of the TV networks. And that's the other thing that we always have to factor into every single time we talk about the NFL moving things around. Ravens-Cowboys was supposed to be uh, a standalone Thursday night football game. So taking that game and throwing it as a part of a Monday night football triple header is not only a disservice to ESPN, but of course a disservice to the the standalone Thursday night game. So what you're going to do is you're going to put Steelers-Washington in the fold as a Monday night doubleheader. People love their Monday night doubleheaders. And then Ravens-Cowboys will get to exist on the isolated network that was supposed to have it for Thursday night football on Tuesday. And the one thing I will say, as much as it's now an extra day of uh, rest for the Ravens for Dallas, it's then one less day of rest for the Ravens when they're going to have to play next Sunday. Right, but that game also, I believe, is a primetime game against Buffalo, potentially, and they're talking about how they make it for, like they For the Ravens? Who? No, I believe Pittsburgh for the is going to have Buffalo. Is the Sunday night? Yeah. 
Fair enough, but like remember now, like they're looking at week three how to mitigate it. Maybe they have to change week fourteen to give them extra days to fully make it up. We don't know how this story ends, Kev. Right? This story is still in flux. We're getting news about week thirteen. You know, they may have to continue to adjust and move. Oh, and by the way, we still have to get test results back today to see if we can even play on That's Wednesday. The, this yeah. is not settled people right like you have ravens or steelers in your fantasy lineup for week 12 uh, you know you may still not get the credit you still maybe should have gone to boston scott or or david moore or someone else from last night's game it is still a risk this is all pending people and that's the way you gotta look at it you can't be solid just yet we don't know but when we come back we will look to set the stage of where we are vis-a-vis the playoff picture vis-a-vis the draft order to talk about the injuries we know from week 12 and how you can adjust i mean in fantasy football this is the last week until the playoffs we got to give you the edge and we'll do that when we come back here on the early line SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. Dane and Kevin looking at the NFL and the moving target that is the NFL. We were talking about Monday Night Football and the NFC playoff picture. If we could put that up, because at least the NFC, right, Kev, is set after week 12, right? We don't have any more NFC teams left to play. So these records look the same. Can we go to the NFC? Because at least those look ready to go for week 12. And to the point we were making you know seattle you see as flawed they're the damn two seed right Taysom hill is quarterbacking the one seed right now the damn new york football giants lead the nfc east yet their quarterback is set to miss time you know we, we we're talking about benching another quarterback of the eagles the quarterback of the dallas cowboys is andy dalton because their quarterback has an achilles tear alex smith like it's ridiculous in the nfc East, but then talk to me about these wild card teams. The Rams lost, Tampa lost, the Cardinals lost. All three of those wild card teams lost in week 12. Minnesota and the Niners, among other, got a little bit closer within shouting distance. What is the biggest leverage point for you moving forward in this NFC playoff picture? I think there it's twofold, right? So it's the battle between the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Packers to who can get that one overall seed. And there's varying degrees of importance for these teams. For the Saints, I want to say it would be huge for them to be able to play in the Dome. And I think it would be, but also last year they lost in the Dome to Kirk Cousins. The thing is, as much as the Saints are the one seed, I, as similar to you, still have my reservations about Drew Brees, you know, heroically walking out of the tunnel with his ribs right. still in tatters and winning football games. Seattle, of the three, it probably matters the least because Russ can win a football game anywhere, and I'll give Russ that chance. For Green Bay, it probably matters the most because historically in Rodgers' career, wildly better at Lambeau 
than not. So that's the one thing, because I know everyone's going to talk about the wild card, but what you were kind of alluding to right there is those top three teams, and I think we are at a point now the odds suggest it would be an upset for those not to be the three division winners. The race for the one overall seed is also a very big piece of this puzzle. All right, fair enough. I mean, I don't know. The Rams are only one game back in that division, so I don't know that it's a locked story total, you know, that those three are going to win the division. They certainly are leaders right now. What I also think is interesting in the NFC, Kev, is that the wild card teams that you're discussing, right, the number one wild card having to go and play the NFC East champ is a little bit different than having to go to Green Bay in the first round of the playoffs or go to the Dome in the first round of the playoffs, regardless of who that NFC East champion would be as we look at the AFC playoff picture real quick Kev I know the hysterical part is that you know those five and six Patriots are not on the graphic but if we can get over that listen talk to me about honestly how important this game is for both the Steelers and the Ravens. The Steelers are undefeated, right? And we all know they don't have a loss, you know, on the right side of that column. Fine. But it is very hard to find someone who doesn't believe the Chiefs are still the class of the AFC. So Pittsburgh kind of needs to continue on in order to maybe get home field advantage. It may take something like 15 and one to literally get that one seed or 14 and two to get that one seed seed in the AFC so it's all important there but for Baltimore also I mean think about it at this point right I know we have talked about you know we think the Browns will qualify we think the AFC South second place team will qualify and then there is a log jam that the Ravens are a part of with six wins mm -hmm. they see the Raiders the Dolphins and others right if you want to talk about the Patriots making a run there's still you know that other AFC South team this is critical for the Baltimore Ravens, and we have no idea. You know, you have said, Kev, that, you know, for teams like the Patriots, for teams like the Titans, that there are lingering effects of battling with COVID. And now it would stand to reason that the Ravens are going to go through this as well when they have very little wiggle room and other teams competing for one or two spots. And that's the thing. As much as we've spent a lot of time talking about the Pats and them not being on the graphic, the Ravens are, you know, going to be one of the most important stories now because they're caught up in all of this COVID craziness. I mean, they are ten and a half point underdogs in that football game that is going to possibly be played tomorrow. I still have no idea what happens if that game isn't played. I mean, odds are right now. I don't know how anyone would set the line, Dane. I think it'd be a big minus money favorite for that game to be played. Yes, no. Will and, the game be played tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, be a lot of juice on the yes, I would think. And if they play that game, the Steelers are minus 480 to win that football game. So Baltimore is supposed to drop to 6-5. and five. One full, solid game out of, out of the playoffs. Both the six and the seven seed, as you said right there, out of the playoffs. And their next game is against the Dallas Cowboys. There's no guarantee Lamar is back for that football game. The Baltimore schedule is very light after this week. It's the Cowboys at the Browns, home versus the Jags, home versus the Giants, and at the Bengals. But if they don't have Lamar for the Dallas game, it becomes a little dicey. It just does. And then at Cleveland isn't a cakewalk. And then they possibly, 
even if they lost two of their next three, then that would set their ceiling at 10-6. and six. And the one thing that I have said, Dan, when we've talked Pats, is I go, no matter how good I think that team can close, double-digit wins still might have you out of the playoffs in the Correct. AFC. So Baltimore is starting to now have to look up this mountain. Again, a win against Pittsburgh would be miraculous. I don't really see it in the cards. RG3 against Big Ben, I mean, that would be so surprising. It's going to be tough for Baltimore. It's going to be real tough sledding. It is, and don't forget when Baltimore has Dallas next week after Pittsburgh, right? Those Las Vegas Raiders, they got a date against the 0-11 Jets. So think about where they may be vis-a-vis the Raiders as well in a week or two. Let's start to think about – oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say the Dolphins play the Bengals as double-digit favorites, and the Colts are playing the Texans who keep losing players to suspension. So, again, and we know this. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. The Ravens with Robert Griffin are probably still favored to beat Dallas. But every other team in this race is going to be favored to win next week. Putting a lot of pressure on the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, the pressure is real. I mean, and just think about it. Look at these teams' records. We're talking about seven and four teams. We're talking about eight and three teams. Okay, like they're they're gonna win games. You know what I mean? So it is going to be tough for Baltimore. We'll see if they're even able to play tomorrow night. Let's look at some of the injuries that happened in week twelve just to get people ready because listen, if you're not on the rhythm now of the Steelers or the Ravens or now the Cowboys or whatever the case may be, the football team. You're starting to get ready for your team's week uh, 13, and you got to think about that. We know about Daniel Jones and the hammy. He's going to lose some time. Listen, talk to me. You know, Philip Lindsay goes down for Denver. That's a problem for that offense. But to me, I am intrigued by the injury to the offensive lineman, Anthony Constanzo, of the mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts. We talk about the Colts. We talk about the way they are built. They give up the fewest sacks in the NFL. Philip Rivers has been you know, opening it up a little bit more. That's a big injury to me. That one or anything else on the horizon that you, uh, you know, you want to keep your eye on as practice reports and more come out vis-a-vis injuries for the following week. Well, I, I agree with you. Costanzo certainly makes a difference. Part of the reason that anyone that liked the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, the offense, is there a single team you can remember where every single person who liked a team, the lead point was the offensive line? Like, Consensus. It was always the offensive line with the Colts. So losing the Dallas Cowboys like, of about five years ago. That was like reason number one. Oh, that offensive yeah, line. Good call. Yeah, good call. Good call. I think I think that's I think that's right. But Colts now losing a guy like Costanzo, that would be problematic. Of course, the biggest name on that graphic, insanely enough, is Daniel Jones. Sure. But the one thing that you and I were kind of trying to figure out yesterday, Daniel Jones, Colt McCoy, you look at the Giants schedule. I don't know. I don't know. The Giants are now favored to win the NFC East at plus 210. So, I don't know. I tell you, I don't know how FanDuel is going about booking this division. I have no idea. None of them are supposed to win still for weeks. 
Like it's, it's just you such do a in-game mess. live all the time, right? If you mm-hmm. just took in-game live as like in-season live, I guarantee yeah. you could have gotten every team in the NFC East. You know, we talk about oh, I'll lay on oh. two of them and then get it. You could have put a four an outlay on all four teams. At Correct. some point in the season, getting over four or over five to one on them, but, probably, mm-hmm. you know, the only team is happen. Philly. The sure. only team you couldn't have got above five to one is Philly, but it doesn't matter. But you might you be to, able to in the next couple of weeks, Kev, right. you know, they're, you still they're, they're, probably yeah. get that position. And if you yeah, want. they're plus like 230 right now. So if you <laughs> right. have the other team, and, and not just five to one, right? Like we're being generous. You could have the rest of the division for eight or more. Like <laughs> you probably can, yes. Maybe even 10 to one. Yeah. So it's great. Uh, it's- it's absolutely true. And so we're kind of in this limbo purgatory, right? Week 12, week 13. If you're a fantasy player, you probably also saw like your league trying to inform you on how the hell waivers are going to happen this week as we go into the last regular season week with those injuries we just told you. So I do want to kind of give you a couple of things to consider. First, on the running back side, right? Guys like Joe Mixon may never come back at this point. There are two teams that have late buys this season as well. Maybe you've been riding with a guy like Ronald Jones or something like that and you do need Kev. There are two running backs that are coming back. I want to give your attention to one is in Miami. Miles Gaskin is set to potentially come off IRB activated. Remember this dude you know, was was key at the beginning of the season. He had double-digit fantasy points in six of the seven games he played. Remember in the first month of the season, Kev, we were like, I guess Miles Gaskin is a thing. Well, you know, he could still be a thing. It's not like Brita or an Ahmed is down. He is on rosters and 70% of leagues. Give a look to that. The other running back to bring your attention to is the, you know, the New York Giants and Devontae Freeman. Now, that's not an amazing back. Wayne Gallman has been decent. But if there's no Danny Dimes, Kev, and they see Seattle, who gives up yards aplenty, right? You could do worse, potentially, than Devontae Freeman as a plug-and-play. For the wide receivers, Kev, real quick, and I'll have you react to all of this maybe on the other side, right? But for the wide receivers, listen, Alan Lazard, Kev is only on rosters in like 39% of leagues. In over half of leagues, you can get him at the beginning of the season. Kev, remember in September when we were like, oh, maybe Alan Lazard is that trusted number two option for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, right? That was sort of bubbling up. He's getting more and more targets in his return. I think that will only grow. And then, you know, I've been mentioning to you with Smoke Brown on IR now, Gabe Davis Mm -hmm. is interesting. He did get a touchdown. They like him a ton. I will also throw in the name of Kiki Cutie at wide receiver because we heard some news about other Texans wide receivers. The Texans even released Kenny Stills like a couple of days ago. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back. And the last thing I'll say is you got to watch out for teams that may be shutting down their players, Kev. Teams that are out of contention. Julio didn't play for the Falcons. Gurley didn't play for the Falcons, right? There's going to be other teams. I'm telling you, I don't think I'm going to see Joe Mixon back for Cincy. You're going to have to start thinking about that as a pivot for your fantasy playoffs. For Atlanta, for example, Brian Hill, Russell Gage, they may be more involved if we don't see Julio or Gurley. Think about that with teams. They're going to start shutting players down. We'll get Kevin's thoughts on this when we come back on the other side right here on the early line.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. And, Kev, let me take people behind the curtain a little bit. You know, I record the waiver wire stuff, right? Think through it all, right, on like a Monday afternoon. Then on two, uh, you know, then on later on in the afternoon, we get bigger news that will impact this. That's why I also mention Kiki Cutie as an option because the Houston Texans are down their number one wide receiver in Will Fuller. It looks like he's got a little, uh, you know, he's got a little uh, PED action, a little drug policy action. He's, he's going to be down, right? He's going to miss six games. That is the rest of his season. Kev, he is also a free agent at the end of the yeah. season, so we'll see about that. That that's why I mentioned Kiki QT as well. Kev, your reaction either to the Will Fuller story or some of the kind of pivots I mentioned on the waiver wire for fantasy managers heading into the last week of the regular season. So I'll just quickly say with the Will Fuller thing, it doesn't feel like earth-shattering news because of where the Texans are. Right. But this is a guy that's 11th in the league in receiving yards and tied for 6th in the league in receiving touchdowns. He's been incredible all year long. And as you said, he now enters into free agency. There's a world, I know people might, there's a world that this is actually good for the Texans because they have no talent on this team and they might be able to retain his services now for cheaper than they would have with the way his season was playing out. As far as some of the waiver wire guys that, that you had mentioned, I think the Giants running back room is one that's really interesting because you would think without their quarterback, that's great. Yeah. But you would also think they might be trailing the whole time. Do we get spicy and throw Deion Lewis back onto the table? A name we've not mentioned in what did we week two when Saquon went down? Yeah, I mean, I hear that he plays that role, but it's not like Freeman is unable to do that as well mm -hmm. but it could be a full-on committee to your point the point i was making though is without danny dimes these running backs could be a pivot and against the matchup you like there's going to be some people that need to win next week to get in so thinking about it in the short term is interesting in hour number two when we come back we talk soccer we talk college football we talk college basketball so much stuff to cover here it's the month of december can you believe it We'll do all that when we come back after the news update right here on the early line.